Emily Abend, the creative partner for worship at the local church, and you are listening to the Sunday Sermon Podcast featuring the messages from our Sunday liturgy. The local church is a bold and inclusive faith community based in Chatham County, North Carolina. We gather for worship every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in person at Woods Charter School in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and online via Facebook Live and YouTube. No matter where you find yourself physically, spiritually, or emotionally, you belong at the local church. And we're so glad you're here. Our scripture reading this morning is from the gospel according to Duke. (laughs) In all seriousness, it's according to John. (laughs) Chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this is not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. This is the word of God for all of God's creation. Thanks be to God. Lord, let me hide in the shade of your wings, bow in your presence. My soul will sing, here in your courts will I seek your face, behold who you are in the secret place. Good morning. So this is now the third time I've preached at TLC, and as I'm wrapping up my time here as an intern, I wanted to start by peeling back a layer for a minute to know what standing up here has been like for me. So to be honest, I don't identify as a preacher, and this is not really the space I see myself someday. But as someone who did not hear a woman preach until her 20s, I'm deeply grateful for the opportunity to exercise this practice with you. Regardless of whether or not this is the last sermon I ever preach, Standing here has held a weight beyond this moment. It's an active posture of changing the narrative of who gets to share the common hope we come here to mark each Sunday and making sure that every kind of body is welcome to stand here. So with this, I have to note that I'm grateful for the space, support, and feedback that Brant has given me to figure out this process. To practice preaching with this kind of support is a gift. But to stay on theme with my other sermons this year, 
I truly could not start this morning without a small roast of Brent. So there's this trend going on in the social media world right now where people will post these before and after photos of themselves. And the phrasing will go something like, this is how it started and this is how it's going. So considering that this is how it started, so we can get a picture up here. This lovely cow mask. <laughs> and this is how it's going. <laughs> I might need some spiritual deconstruction when this internship concludes. <laughs> so right now we're in a series called Full to the Brim. And just as a quick reminder, the series is focused on considering an expansive Lent. It's a time of looking at various dimensions of our lives and considering ways and areas we might be seeking deeper fullness. Last week, Brent led us through the story of the prodigal son, and he turned our attention to redefining some terms. The word prodigal, for example, is meant to not focus on the son's absence or waste, but instead prodigal refers to this idea of being recklessly extravagant. And while we may first and foremost attribute this behavior to the son, the father is equally as reckless in his extravagant love and reception of his son. So this week, our theme is brazen acts of beauty. And I want to note from the beginning that this term shifts from the reckless to the intentional and calculated practice of extravagant love. As we press into these words that hold and remind us of God's excessive love, will you pray with me? God, no matter what we bring here this morning, whether it is exhaustion, fear of being seen, or apprehension to receive within this community, you invite us to be our full selves and to know that our just being is more than enough. Amen. Okay, so picture this. You are on a road trip. Perhaps you have two kids or two friends in the back seat and a passenger next to you. You've been trekking along for a few hours. You still have five to go. So far, you've all listened to music, chatted, gone through all of your snacks. And now it's quiet. The passenger by you is perusing through a book, and you hear a page turn every now and then. In the back seat, each person has their headphones in, watching movies or playing games. You're lost in thought as you just kind of watch the road ahead. So in short, everyone is blissfully absorbed in their own world, in their individual, compartmentalized spot in the car. And then it happens. Slowly, mysteriously, and entirely silent, a smell seeps through the air vents. Before you know it, your eyes are watering, your lips are pursed, and your nose is wrinkled as you struggle to stay focused on the road. The quiet car explodes with noise as headphones are ripped out, books are slammed shut, and exclamations of distress are yelled out. What is that smell is repeated over and over. And when you look out the window, you see it. A dairy farm. So now that I can finally see your faces without masks, I am regretting choosing a story that elicits looks of disgust I'm now seeing. <laughs> 
But jokes aside, how many of you have had this experience of a smell that just utterly changes the mood and meaning and tone of a situation you've been in? Maybe it's disgust or nostalgia or pleasure, but smell has this powerful ability to completely transform our experiences of a moment, to cement it in our memories, to pull entire groups of people together into dialogue, even if it's just with the question, what is that smell? Smell is powerful. So let's think about smell in our text for this morning. I'm going to start by just setting the scene for a moment. Jesus, along with his disciples, is going to the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus for dinner. And considering the last time that Jesus saw Lazarus, he was raising him from the dead, I would imagine this isn't just your ordinary dinner party. For Lazarus, I think he might have been dreading the question, how are you? considering there aren't many answers to capture what it's like having been raised from the dead a week before. For Martha, I can imagine she was stressed trying to cook a meal to adequately thank Jesus. For the disciples, I wonder if they were confronted with their own questions of what to make of Lazarus, how to interact with a man who had been raised from the dead. Each of these guests was compartmentalized perhaps stressed, maybe feeling inadequate, certainly overwhelmed by the idea of eating with a man that had been dead. The air must have been buzzing with tension at this dinner party. But then there's Mary, and she does something weird. Mary, instead of focusing on how to fill a role in the room, comes to Jesus and washes his feet but she doesn't just wash his feet, right? If that was all, the story probably wouldn't have made it into the text that we read today. Mary doesn't just wash Jesus's feet. She anoints them. She takes perfume, probably the same perfume intended for Lazarus's body the week before. She breaks the seal and she uses her hair to rub the oil into Jesus's feet. If I imagine this moment in the room, I picture the hum of voices gradually growing quiet as the fragrant scent carries up from this woman's huddled body on the floor to the nose of Jesus, who is looking down towards her, to the noses of the disciples who silence their debating, to the nose of Lazarus, who feels the chill of what this perfume was originally intended for, and finally to the nose of Martha in the kitchen who pauses her bustling. The smell filled every corner of the room, of the house. Each person was suddenly pulled together in the witness of Mary's act, perhaps with the infamous question on their minds, what is that smell? For us, Mary is our model of a brazen act of beauty. Her risk in the scene is showing up with her entire body. She gets on the floor. She uses her hair. She gives up a perfume worth a year's wages. 
She risks ridicule from the other guests or worse, rejection from Jesus. Mary puts it all in the line to show up with her full being and the scent of her action fills the entire room. So I wish I could say that Mary's actions were met only with acceptance, but as we read in the story, Judas chooses to break the collective moment by critiquing Mary's waste of the expensive perfume. After all, wouldn't Jesus far rather her use it to help the poor than wipe his feet? But Jesus, who I imagine is still watching Mary, receiving the gift of her showing up with her full self, simply says, leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for me for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. You do not always have me. Mary is the only one in the room that recognizes the immediacy of her time with Jesus. And instead of running to the kitchen or cleaning the house or trying to impress Jesus, she she just offers herself. And the scent of her gift fills the entire room. And Jesus receives it. Mary's choice to brazenly, recklessly, so intentionally give her entire self to Jesus is met only with his love, with his understanding, with his deep acceptance. As the night progressed, I would guess that the scent of the perfume slipped from the consciousness of most of the dinner guests as they proceeded to eat and talk and interact. But as they finally went away into the night and the house grew silent again, I wonder if Mary in her bed could still smell the perfume in her hair. If the smell reminded her of the risk she took earlier that night, if the smell reminded her of the way Jesus looked at her, fully receiving her in the way she chose to show up. Sitting with this story this week has had me wondering where I am in the room. Am I one of the disciples engaged in critical conversations and focused intensely on what I think about a world where the dead can be raised? Am I Lazarus, perhaps too overwhelmed by emotions to engage externally with my guests? Am I Martha packing in so much doing and doing that I've forgotten how to just be? Truthfully, I think I'm often Judas, quicker to be critical of someone than to recognize their full being as a gift. But what would it be like to be Mary in this story? Not compartmentalized or self-absorbed or carefully constructed in how we show up, but recklessly putting our whole selves on the line in order to celebrate the gift of being to know that Jesus wants us more than a perfectly presented meal. And I wonder too, what it would be like to witness someone being as reckless as Mary, 
Could I swallow the rise of a critique to recognize the beauty of that kind of brazen act? Can I be like the guests in the room, quietly partaking in the sweet scent of someone allowing their full self to be seen? As usual, I don't have answers to these questions, but I hope, I hope that the scent that filled that room, that fills the story, that continues to trickle from the words on these pages is not lost on me. And I hope that I and we as a community can both be merry, bringing our full selves to this space and offer welcome to Mary, receiving the sweet smell of someone being fully themselves. In the name of the God who welcomes our full selves and our brazen acts of beauty, amen. It's Leah again. If you love what you hear, share this episode or send it to someone who could use a little good news this week. We'd also love for you to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. For more information about the local church, visit thelocalchurchpbo.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at localchurchpbo. Until next time, love where you are.